Hello, my name is Patricia Rosvora and you're listening to Kitchen Conversations. This podcast aims to open up the mysterious and vague Eastern Bloc to a broader audience. For each episode, I'm inviting one artist or researcher and together we explore their relation, interest and urgency to create within the framework of the post-Soviet sphere. Here I also wanted to thank everyone for listening and supporting this podcast. It's very rewarding to see that with every episode the community is growing, which was of course the whole point of this platform. If you are a regular listener, you might want to check out my Patreon page, where you can support my work and help me develop this amazing but time-consuming project. You can do that on patreon.com slash kitchenconversations. Welcome back to the third and last episode of the mini-series Grandma's Tales, where I invited my grandmother Marianna to tell a little about her life, her very long life, since she is more than 100 years old at the moment, about Second World War and the life uh, under state socialism in Poland. This uh, third episode might be the most interesting and relevant for the listeners of Kitchen Conversations since we speak about the most recent history of Eastern Europe and of course uh, the real uh, life under communism. Some parts of the conversation uh, might be a little dated, especially in the end when uh, my grandma tells that nowadays we don't have anything to complain about compared to before. I guess a lot of uh, the listeners would disagree. I guess I would also disagree. However, if you were born in 1921, perhaps from that perspective, the world does look way better than it did back then. Uh, without further ado, I invite you uh, to listen um, to our conversation and please uh, check out also the first and second episode of this mini series if you haven't done that before. The episodes do work separately as well, but I think it's nicer if you hear all of them together. Hope you enjoy and let's give the mic to my grandmother Marianna. No po wojnie to ja pracowałam i tak i uczyłam się jednocześnie chodziłam do wieczorowej szkoły. I worked and studied at the same time. I attended an evening school, but it was tough. It was difficult because I couldn't count on anyone. My brother had already two children, Leszek and Renia, and he worked, but he didn't earn much. He was trading. That time everyone who could was trading. No one could live from their salary. So I had to work and I had to study. It was hard. It took forever and the program wasn't even complete. Because at school you usually have additional subjects, like physical education, sometimes a core, singing. But for us, it was all gone. We only had Polish, maths, physics, chemistry and a foreign language. So eventually I did finish my studies, but the exams were very hard. 
We were happy that Poland was free, that Poland was finally free. But the truth was that Poland wasn't free at all. So, you know, during the war there was an underground organization, right? Armia Krajowa, Home Army. And later they all, some clever ones, prudently left the country and never came back. However, most of them returned to Poland because a Pole is always drawn to their country. So once they returned, the party locked them up and destroyed them. So they had to pay with their lives for fighting for the freedom of their country. And for that, they got destroyed. The government, right? The Communist Party of Poland. Yes. And they were all Polish. You know, there were a lot of Poles who actually joined the Communists. But a lot of people had no choice. They worked in offices everywhere. People had to work somewhere. Those remained neutral. But it was also... You always had to keep your mouth shut. There was no freedom. You couldn't say what you wanted. You had to be careful who you speak to. This was not freedom. And it lasted 45 years. Imagine. It's almost half of my life. But it wasn't that bad from the beginning, correct? At the beginning, there was no poverty. Well, like after every war, there are shortages. But then slowly, everything started to develop in the right direction. Only later. Later, the real poverty hit us. I remember the money was being converted all the time. In the end, we could count to thousands and even millions. Everything was for portion cards. It might be that your mom still has those somewhere for a memory. They divided the cards, so there was portion cards for bread, cards for margarine. Butter was out of the question. Once, when mom was still little, I stood in line for real butter. It was a very hot summer day, and I stood there for three hours. When I finally reached the shop and was about to go next, the shop assistant slammed the window in front of me and closed the store. I remember I started crying like crazy. I thought, I have a small child and there is not even butter on the market. Anyway, even if we managed to get butter, it was already rancid because the good stuff was going for the army. The people got the worst leftovers. I remember there was 45 decagram of meat per week for a family of five. And did the people help each other in these difficult times? You know what? I think we helped each other more than we do right now. Because somehow poverty unites people. When people have a common enemy, they tend to stick together. And when they are free and everyone can do whatever they want, then people quarrel and their misunderstandings. So yes, we did help each other. But there were also parties. We used to go to name day parties and birthdays. But organizing a party wasn't that easy. You had to stand in line for hours to get a piece of ham, if there was any at all. 
They threw the ham, we said. They are throwing the ham, which meant that the ham is for sale. So then there was incredible queues everywhere. But whoever could brought something. If you knew there was a party approaching, you could prepare a piece of sausage or something. Women would come with a sausage under their arm and men with a bottle in their pockets. And so it was. Everyone contributed a little. That was the party. So in state socialism there is this idea that everyone is equal and has the same, so that everyone should have an apartment, a job. Was it really like that? That's a myth, a fairy tale. No. No, it wasn't like that at all. They had everything. I remember in Gdańsk there was a party house and I was walking down the street and saw that people organized a small revolution. They went inside the party's house warehouse where they stored food because they had everything. People who worked for the party, Poles, but party people. Yes. So the activists took everything, what was there, and threw it out of the windows so people could grab whatever they wanted from the streets. It wasn't an easy life. Such equality is impossible. Communism doesn't work. It can't work. I mean, if everyone lives in poverty, is that equality? If there is nothing? In reality, people will steal from each other to have a little more. So what was the reason for such poverty? You know, everything was in the hands of the state. And you know, if everything becomes public, people stop working. That's not mine, that's not mine. And that way, they took Poland apart. When there is the so-called capitalism and the enterprises are privatized, people take care of things. The production is better and so on. And then, you know, everyone was fooling around. People didn't work. Whoever could was skipping work. Whoever could took something out. Whatever they could. Whatever it was, food or something else, everything was bought under the counter. Mom was little back then, and I used to get chocolate from Aunt Lili, from Germany. But mom didn't like chocolate. All children loved it, and your mom didn't want it. When I gave her a piece, she stuck out her tongue, saying, that's enough. And you went through the whole effort just for her. Yes. And I also had a craving for chocolate, you know, but I didn't eat it. I saved it for later. When going to buy meat or something, I slipped the shop assistant the chocolate, and she gave me a piece of meat or another product that was hiding under the counter. It came handy. Yeah, and other people had to wait for hours without the guarantee of getting anything. You wanted a kilo, you got half a kilo or a quarter, depending on what the shop assistant felt like giving you on that day. Yeah. 
And what was the women's position? How were they being treated? It is often said that under communism, women had it better than before. Maybe there's some truth in that. Yes. Because they put women to work, and some of them benefited from it. And in general, there was more tolerance for women. Women were not in the shade anymore. But was the home labor also spread more equally? Did the men take care of the children as well? No, it was only after the war, it came with the young generation. It was being spoken about, newspapers wrote about it. The fact that women are not alone with their kids, that the father is responsible for the child as well, that the father should help out, that if both work and both bring money home, the man is obliged to help the mother with the household and with the bringing of the children. And that's how it started and remains so until today. And how did people view the West? How did people think about the West? Oh, the West. It was Eldorado, the West. Oh, when someone went to the West. Oh, God. They would tell tales like what's there, what wonders there are, how everything is available to buy. And it's true, because when you went to the butcher shop here, there was nothing on these hooks, just empty hooks. And when I went to Germany for the first time, before we moved there, so Aunt Lily invited me to see what it was like there, because it was about whether I would decide to go there or not. I didn't know the language or anything. So when I saw these shops, full of cold cuts and meat at everything, you know, it was crazy. Then I got used to it. And people thought that when you are going to the West, you can bring anything you want back with you. But they didn't really ask where the money came from. When you traveled abroad, you were allowed to officially exchange only $10. And how much could you buy for this money? Well, how much is $10? It's more or less the same as today. Because these prices are changing a little, so yeah, maybe it was worth a bit more than today. Well, maybe it was $15, maybe 20 But how long can you live for that money? Maybe for a week? Yes, at best. And very modestly. And the passport was the state's property. You couldn't keep the passport at home. I was invited to Paris, but I went to Germany. So they asked, why did you go to Germany when you were supposed to go to France? So I had to explain myself. And when I came back, I had to hand over my passport, and it wasn't mine anymore. The passport was the property of the state. So why did you decide to leave, and how was it even possible? No, 
You know, Poland needed help from the West every now and then. The country was in crisis and it needed loans, which of course had to be repaid years later. But sometimes they lend money to Poland somehow. So then the party wanted to prove to the West that there was no regime in Poland. And so they let people cross the border. There was a few of these moments and we took advantage of such a period and applied to be released. And surprisingly, they let us out. So we waited. But you also needed connections. And did people criticize you for leaving your country? No, but not everyone knew. We actually didn't tell anyone, and they were surprised that we were actually leaving. I didn't want to tell anyone because it wasn't welcome. Some people criticized, yeah. We didn't even tell our friends. We only wrote to them afterwards. But later I sent a lot of packages to people. I sent packages to my friends because it was getting worse and worse. Everyone was grateful for every single gift we sent, be it fish or cold meat of some kind or ham that was canned or something. People were so grateful for it. So, first of all, it was food. You couldn't send fresh ingredients. For example, you couldn't send a piece of ham. But we even sent Polish sausage back to Poland because there was Polish sausage on the market, this dry Krakowska sausage. So you could send a piece of sausage, half of it, for example. When it got dry a little, they threw away a slice. Tint ham, there was a good tint ham. Tints of fish, various herring or something, all packaged so that it could arrive safely. Some sweet things for the young ones? Dried products. Oh dear, for example, well, we didn't send sugar because it wasn't worth it. Neither was flour. But some cookies, sweets, chocolate for the children. Well, everything that could be eaten. And first of all, clothes. Second-hand clothes. Well, if someone sent new clothes, no one was angry about that either. But after all, you had a lot of your own clothes, and someone gave you some clothes, so you sent these parcels, and people always chose something and later altered those clothes. Polish women still had good style. They were always dressed well, even despite the war. Well, not really war, but this critical period. They were always nicely dressed. I'm also interested, how do you see the reality and the world around us, the 21st century, compared to what you have already been through? We have welfare, we have prosperity, and we have no right to complain. We have all of it. You can get a well-paid job, the market is just like the Western one. There is no difference. We have everything, so there is nothing to complain about. 
However, there are also huge inequalities in our society. Yes, there are, as usual, you know. There is a lot of dishonesty on the part of those in power, because they are stuffing themselves with money, so to speak. So what would you say is the most important in life? Health. Health and the atmosphere in the family. It is very important to have a loving family. Family stands at the basis of society. It is the smallest cell of society, but the most important one. You always have to make sure that there is harmony and stability in the family, so there are no quarrels. And to have some prosperity, perhaps, an average one. The so-called middle class is the one that has it the best. That's enough. In millions? I never. What would I even do with a million? If I want a million today, I would give it away, because I don't need money. Well, it would be good if everyone thought this way. Well, I'd buy myself a house, maybe. I'd save 200,000 for myself. And the rest? Well, I don't need that much money. I'll give it to you so you can settle down. I could use that money. That's right. I would share with whoever needs it. With my family. I'll give to the family first. This was it for today. Thank you for reaching till the end of this episode. I will see you next time with another great artist and speaker. And as mentioned at the beginning, you can support this podcast via Patreon on patreon.com slash kitchenconversations or alternatively, you can also help me develop this platform by making a one-time donation, following my Instagram account or leaving a comment on one of the podcast players. All of the needed links are placed in the show notes of this episode. Take good care, until next time!